Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT pulpit. Praise the Lord, everybody. All you brave souls. You made it out. And everybody looks thinner today from uh, all the shoveling you've been doing all week. So, uh, well, God, God bless you. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Pastor Lisa and all the worship team. You are the, for refreshing our hearts this morning. Amen. Amen. You know, I, uh, I, uh, Actually, I have to do two internships, and so my second one this semester, I'm doing at Henry Ford uh, Hospice. Uh, so uh, that's been really interesting. And uh, the first day I was there, I think it was the first day, uh, there was a lady there whose uh, fingers were dying. So I don't want to. But if you can imagine what that's like, so her fingers were black. And, uh, you know, she was dying. And uh, so I went in with the chaplain, and uh, he asked her husband, who they've been married a long, long time, and said, uh, does she like any hymns? He says, oh, yes, the old rugged cross. So the chaplain said, I like to sing hymns with uh, people if they're Christians. So he went in there and and he said, uh, would, you, would you like me to sing a hymn with you? And she said, I would love that. I don't know if you can hear what I said. I would love that is what she said. And uh, to see him clasp her hands, her hands whose fingers were literally black, and sing over the old rugged cross was a powerful moment. God moved in that woman's life. So I, I'm... I'm there on, at the hospital on Thursdays and Mondays. And when I come in on Monday, I often ask, how is uh, so-and-so, how's so-and-so? And uh, regrettably, it's a hospice, so lots of times they've gone on. And so I got, got there that next Monday, and she had gone on. But uh, it was a powerful moment. Uh, it's nothing like witnessing a saint. Uh, I believe she was a saint. Uh, going whose hearts are ready, whose souls are prepared to go and be with the Lord. Amen? So, uh, the name of my message today is going to be from Thursday morning until Monday afternoon. Between Thursday morning and Monday afternoon. And uh, we're going to be talking about some of the hard things of life today from Psalm 90. And so if you bear with me, I'm going to actually read through all of Psalm 90. Psalm 90. To help pinpoint that, Psalm 90 immediately precedes Psalm 91. If that helps you. That was a joke. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, page 899 in my Bible. 
That was, that was another joke, because all of us have different page numbers. All right, enough jokes. Psalm 90. Bear with me as I read through this. Let me just mention, also there is a little uh, caption, a prayer of Moses, the man of God, right at the beginning. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were formed, excuse me, before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They're like a dream like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They're soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we might get a heart of wisdom. Return, O God, O Lord. How long have pity on your servants? Uh, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray to him. Lord God, um, you know, the, this is not the easiest of Psalms, but you have placed it here for us. You've given us your word. All scripture is God breathed and therefore it's profitable to us for teaching and instruction and correction that we might be thoroughly equipped for every task, for every bit of this Christian life journey. Thank you for your word. Bless now, grant unto us ears to hear, grant unto me a mouth to speak. Oh God, it's all by your grace. We need you today, Lord God. Folk pressed out through the snow because their hearts were moved by the Spirit and they wanted to know more of you. So grant that, we pray. We ask all this in the great name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. So uh, I, was, uh, I was on the uh, computer. I was checking one of those websites. And I, 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 okay, 
it was the death clock uh, website. All right, so I gotta I gotta admit, and I did it for this I did it for this uh, for this sermon, but I know when I'm gonna die now. Uh, according to, uh, according to uh, the World Wide Web. So uh, there you go. So uh, amen. And you're all dismissed today now. So, uh, uh, so that's one of those silly websites where they, uh, you enter uh, your health and do you smoke and how heavy are you and uh, how much fried chicken do you eat and uh, so on and so forth. So uh, I'm not going to tell you uh, when I want to die. Plus, they don't actually know. All right. So uh, it might be tomorrow. But uh, uh, so they, uh, I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to die at 86. Okay. So, uh, but so far, I have lived about 600 months, about 2,600 weeks. And about 18,000 days. That ain't bad. Thank God for that. <laughs> hey, that's a lot of days. I'll take them. And it's been good. Good days. Don't go on to that website. Go on to another more chipper website and, and, uh, and, get your, uh, and get your days added up. But, you know, it does kind of sober me a little bit. Our days are, you only got a few of them. Uh, They're not unlimited by any means. We have a, God is very gracious. And if you take care of yourself, likelihood is you'll get a decent number of days. But we don't know that really. All of us have been surprised by those who went earlier than we would have wished or hoped sometimes even our children. It can be very, very difficult. Our days, our number, whether they are far less than we expected or far more. Uh, a couple of years ago, my mom passed at 87. Now I said, look here, I'm an upper middle-aged man. She was almost 88. You would think I'd be fully resolved and okay with her death. I still cried like a baby. I was glad she, she knew the Lord. She'd had a good life. She'd seen her great-grands. One of my favorite pictures of my mother was sitting there with her great-granddaughter. I think she saw three of her great-grands. What a life, what a privilege. She had been a pastor's wife, all kinds of good things there. I was extremely thankful for it. Still cried, still hurt to lose her, as many of you have felt. So often we don't like to Think of these things. Why are days short like this? Why does it always feel wrong when it has to come to an end? So I want to talk about that today if I can. From Thursday morning to Monday afternoon. So let's, let's, let's look through this uh, passage here. Verse 12, I think, might be our key verse. We'll get back to it in more detail. But in light of a bunch of things preceding, what, what's the first word in most of our translations in verse 12? So. What kind of word is that? Isn't it kind of like a, well, considering everything we've just said, so now what? What do we do with that? 
And so I want to look back and, well, let me just mention this. He says, so whatever what just proceeded, what should we do? And the first thing he says, Lord, so teach us to number or measure our days. Teach us to number our days. Maybe that means something like this. So, Lord, teach us to use what we have well. Teach us to make the most of it from God's viewpoint, which is one, something I really want to bring out, try to bring out today, that making the most of it from a human standpoint might be very different than making the most of it from a divine standpoint. Human standpoint, bucket list. I only got so much time, you know, hey, let's go to Vegas. You know, let's often the bucket list. Let's hit Cancun, Dubai. Alaskan crew. Look, ain't nothing wrong with that. And if any of y'all want to invite me and pay for our tickets, we will gladly go. Of course, I'll falsely act like I don't want to take it for a few minutes and then I'll say, well. So, uh, just so. Now, so teachers, that'd be kind of deceitful, wouldn't it? Teach us the number of days that we might apply our hearts to wisdom. We don't know exactly how to use our days on our own. And it often kind of oppresses us when we start to think of our days not being unending. They're not. And God seems to want us to think about that. He seems to force the thought on us. And so what do you do with those, with your days, that is? Well, let's look back and see what we can do with those. Actually, let me change that a little bit. Let me, what is God doing with those days might be the first question. What is God doing with our days? Verses one and two. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. I think the first thing the Lord does with our days, our short days, is he enters them. God has entered our days. Um, Maybe it goes something like this. When Jesus showed up a few centuries later, anybody remember what he said and when he went about preaching all the time? The kingdom of God is at hand. It's present. And I tend to think he did like this. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's present. It's among you. So in your short days, in your temporal breath and vapor life, Something strong, something alive, something eternal, someone eternal has entered your days and he wants to know you. He wants to have contact and interface with you. Matter of fact, he wants you to begin to enter his kind of life, eternal life. Amen. Uh, Look at what he says here, though. Uh, there's two phrases that seem to uh, go together. First, he says, God, you are God 
in all generations. Now, the book, some of your Bibles might say this, and it is actually a more literal translation. He says, God, you have been God from generation to generation, from generation to generation. And then the first two ends with, and you are also God from everlasting to everlasting. I think these two phrases are meant to contrast each other from generation to generation, from everlasting to everlasting. So what, what is he saying about God right there? Well, uh, you know, let me put it this way. God is greater than our time. He's the God from everlasting to everlasting. But God, though he is the God who made time, made our days, placed the limit on them, puts us even in the frustrations of those limited days, in his wisdom, God who has placed us in this situation is outside of it, everlasting, everlasting, but he is also the God who comes inside of it. The eternal God who is greater than time loves to enter time, loves to come in and participate. You know, that sounds like Jesus to me. Uh, the God who Yep, he's not confined or bound. He's the eternal God by our limitations and limited days. But those limited days, my sisters and my brothers, are sacred to him, are important to him. Our little 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, whatever the Lord grants us, which we'll talk about, are so short in, in the grand scheme of things to him, are yet so important to him. He does not despise my 1,800 days. Matter of fact, he ordained them. He enters them. He inhabits them. That's important. It does two things because, and we'll get to this later, part of us just can't find satisfaction within these limited days. Our hearts seem to crave something beyond them and we don't always know that so we keep trying stuff in the present age you know people try to, to get rich nothing wrong with it. definitely supplying your needs and well let's do this let's move to a better neighborhood there's nothing necessarily wrong with that well, vacation how about that let's go on vacation um i'm unhappy in this Marriage and I only have so much time, so let me get the let me try marriage once again. Let me try it a third time. Uh, my children are disappointing me. Uh, they're not turning out the way I wished. And sometimes we make a lot of mistakes. I think, uh, kind of in panic mode, due to our limited days. But just don't forget, and we're going to try to get some more of this. God is doing something. He's not limited to these days. He is the eternal God, but these days are important to him. Amen? One author uh, talked about time, and uh, he, he, he said there are several wrong ways to look at our, our days. He said sometimes we get too much into clock time. Now, 
I know I'm the pot calling the kettle black. The, plot, the clock time is important, and uh, I have a tendency to not manage it well. So this is not me using a, a, a scripture as an excuse for being late. All right, so uh, it's not good to be late, and I'm I'm often late. So uh, I was born this way, uh, just so you know. I've had trouble with this my whole life, so it can't be a sin, right? Nope, it's a sin. You can't be just be late to everywhere. People relying on you, so y'all keep praying on me, praying for me. That is, pray on me too. Uh, but this fellow said, "Clock time sometimes can get out of hand." You know, we haven't always had clocks. And so clocks have made it to where we, we really measure time very carefully. So we start to almost think that time is our possession, that we can control time. And he said, I think that's a mistake. It's a wrong view of time. It's okay to measure it, be precise about it, but to think that somehow it's our commodity is, is going too far, uh, he said. Second thing, he said, then sometimes we go too far with thinking of t time as personal time. It's personal time. I think the word that goes along with that is time is mine. It's my time. I can't be, uh, hey, look here. You just wasted my time. Uh, and you know, that's supposed to be a statement in and of itself, right? You know, so, and it's true. I don't want to waste your time. And it, it is rude to do that. But sometimes we can begin to overly do the idea that time, my days are mine. The Bible does not say that at the end of the day. Then the author said also, sometimes we start thinking time is money. Time is money. Uh, Bill Gates, famous, if this is true, uh, and all, all due respect to him, but it's famous about 10 years ago, he made the statement, now why would I waste two hours of my time on a Sunday? Uh, you know, that time is so valuable for what he thought was more crucial to, you know, I don't know, maybe to use it to develop the business or whatever the case may be. Uh, he just couldn't see it. To waste two hours of my life, what do you think he was talking about? Church, absolutely. To waste two hours of my life on a Sunday, time is money. And so then you begin to, you begin to think of time only in economic terms. You commodify it, as it were. And that can go too far, too. I think what this psalm teaches my sisters and my brothers is this. Time is God's. Our time is God's time. And we will face him one day for how we spent our days. And I don't know if the first question will be whether or not we grew that business. Nothing, it might be one of the questions. God can be in that. But or whether or not, you know, what, what, whatever it, other measurements that we, you know, how precise were you with your time? I think his biggest question would be, was your time for my glory's sake? Was your time, were your days spent for my name's sake? Whatever that may mean. So, uh, he enters our days, my sisters, and my brothers, he enters our days. God is dealing with us on a much bigger basis than our temporal life. He is doing a work in our lives that is far greater than our temporal perspective. 
He is working on something that is eternal. Amen? Uh, another thing about time, verses three and four, he does end our time. I didn't say that a couple, couple of times, but he, he brings our time to an end. But his perspective on when we should end is very different. Return, O man, to dust. I won't read all that. A thousand years in your sight uh, is just like yesterday or as a watch in the night. <clears throat> uh, you have one minute remaining. Anybody ever heard that before? You have one, where, where do you hear that? Where have you heard that? Class. <laughs> That's a terrible, for a time challenged person, time management challenged person, you have one minute, one minute remaining is one of the worst phrases in all of life because I often have about 20 minutes left of work to do. I'm like, ah, oh, you know. Also, one of the worst ones is when I wake up and I say, look at the clock and I go, oh, I got one minute left uh, before my alarm goes off. Worst mistake ever. Uh, just get up. Uh, but he says this, he says, uh, yeah, like a thousand years, a day is like a thousand years, a year is like, and a, and a thousand years is like a day. God just seems to relate to our time differently, differently. So as we go through it, I think we'll see this, my sisters and my brothers, that uh, sometimes when we're really, really frustrated about how we don't seem to be getting at that or getting at this or getting this goal done. That might be right, but maybe not as much. It's worth prayer. And so maybe I'm not getting this done or that done because I'm trying to crunch a bunch of things that may not be as important to, as important to God. Maybe uh, I'm more so checking off a human bucket list than pursuing the mission of God. And uh, we all need each other to help grow and learn and figure this out. Um, one philosopher said this. He said, wisdom seems, we seem to need wisdom so urgently and yet it comes so slowly. I need wisdom so fast so many solutions need to be gained in life. I, 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 why didn't I know this earlier? Why didn't somebody tell me? It seems like I need wisdom so quickly, so urgently, and yet wisdom comes so slowly. You ever did something that about eight years later, you just thought, what was I thinking? That was really stupid. I wish I'd have known that back then. It happens to me. Verses five and six, uh, another thing about our time, he does bless them. It's a brief blessing, but he blesses them. Look at what it says, uh, verse five, like grass that is renewed in the morning, in the morning it flourishes, in the evening it fades and withers. 
Our lives have a time of flourishing. Hallelujah for those flourishing times. You know, maybe uh, now I think that flourishing times, they might come and go in different ways. Maybe back when you could play basketball and you could leap really high and you were flourishing physically, maybe you were an idiot at that time. You know, just not saving your money and running around with this girl and that guy. And sometimes the time when your body is strong, your mind isn't. <laughs> your emotions aren't. Then when your mind and emotions get a little better, your body's starting to wane and you can't dunk anymore. And uh, you can't pick up a ground ball, a hot corner ground ball, right? And so that's okay. Maybe, maybe there's ways that we can celebrate all these moments of flourishing. Uh, my wife and I were talking the other day and I thought, you know, we're getting older. And I thought, well, you know, sometimes we bemoan that a little bit. Wow, I just can't do this. Ugh. Our joke is in the morning, uh, we call it snap, crackle, and pop. <laughs> so when I get out of bed, it's a loud, um, it's a loud event, you know. <laughs> After about five minutes, it quiets down. All right, so uh, Ms. Casey, maybe you can help, help me with that later. But uh, uh, all cracking and popping, right? Uh, but you know what? My wife and I were talking, we said, well, somebody's got to be a middle-aged person. Somebody's got to be an older person. I mean, when I was a young person, I used to look to older people sometimes. I'd look at older, so I need some wisdom. Where can I get an older person? Well, I guess it's my turn now <laughs> to, to, to be that sad. I had my young sad, now let's be, so. Why don't we embrace these moments, these seasons? Thank God, one of my favorite theologians, Dr. Seuss, uh, <laughs> said this. He said, don't cry because it's over, but smile because it happened. It happened. What a privilege. Uh, Lord, you didn't have to do that, but you did. So thank you for the days we, we had this and we had that. And you know something? Something else is about to happen. What has happened might be over, but something else is about to happen. And who knows what may happen tomorrow or today. That could be from God too. And so welcome what is coming. Welcome the days that we have. Rejoice when we flourish. And you know what? Decline. God may be a part of that too in different ways. Embrace it. God, what are you doing through this? I can't tell you how many people I've met who have really been humbled before God as they aged. Really begin to think through things differently. Really begin to think about the next generation after them. Doesn't always happen, that's for sure. But it can help. It can sometimes just help us to think. Y'all all right out there? Uh, in the morning and in the evening, it flourishes and then it fades. And that's all right. These things are from the Lord. At least they could be taken as from the Lord. Here's one of the quick thing about time, a couple other quick things. 
verses 7 through 11. <clears throat> he says this, under your wrath, we are dismayed. I'm paraphrasing here. By your anger, we are dismayed. You set our iniquities before you in the light of your presence. Verse nine. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. Verse 11. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Now, this is a kind of a strange verse, but let me step back for a second. This may be the oldest psalm we have if Moses wrote it. I don't know if you know this. It took about 700 years to write all the Psalms and about a thousand years to compile them all. And so they, and it, by the way, it took about a thousand years for the Old Testament to be written or to be compiled. So the Psalms might pass through the whole length of the Old Testament. Uh, Psalms for every season there. But uh, if this is Moses, some have said maybe this was at the end of his days or getting toward the end of his days. Remember the hard times with the Israelites, the reality that none of them will go into the promised land, that many of his friends had disobeyed God, even him. And just sort of the soberness of that moment, thank God that God would take their children in. But I would imagine that Moses thought, man, you know, did we, are we just a lost generation? Did we just screw it up irreparably? My, my, my. I can think of Moses. But maybe he began to reflect in this song. Uh, let me mention a couple things here that lead us into verse 12. He said, our days, verse 9, pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. Our days pass away under your wrath. Now that's something not to be forgotten. Maybe this goes all the way back to Genesis 3. Um, our first parents had an awesome garden. Ooh, they were human in the best sense of the word, innocent and pure. And then they turned away from God. And you know what God had to do? He had to bring down his wrath. He had to bring upon him them his curse. My understanding of the Bible, my sisters and my brothers, is this. The curse of God is man's fault, but it's God's doing. The curse is something that God must enact. He does it. It's not in, in the devil's uh, sphere of power to curse. The same God who blesses, curses. He acts as the judge of all the earth. So it actually comforts me that the curse is not under Satan's jurisdiction. The curse is under God's jurisdiction. If I'm understanding my Bible right. But God in his wisdom places human beings, Genesis 3, Romans 8, in a state of frustration in the present life. Frustration. You know what, son? Now you're going to tend the earth by the sweat of your brow. You're going to do it, and the earth's going to bring forth painfully. 
And my daughter, you're going to bear children painfully. These things are glorious gifts of yours to work and to bear children. Now you will do them and they will still be glorious, but also frustrating. Glorious, frustrating. Everybody kind of with me there? Maybe that's what Moses is getting at here. He says, Lord, all our days pass away under your wrath. I won't take you there, but Romans 8 says this. Let me get to it very quickly. Romans 8 says, uh, For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Romans 8, 20. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In hope, in hope, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation, Romans 8, 22, has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. And here's the key verse. Not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit Grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Amen? Weird, tough truths, but even we as Christians who have the Spirit are not entirely free of the sigh or the groan of the hardships of the curse of sin. Now we are ultimately free from the curse of sin. We, uh, while we experience, you might say, in an outer sense, in a temporal sense, things like death and sickness, frustration, misunderstanding, lack of wisdom, while we experience all that, at the same time, God is present within that. Sometimes he heals. He'll do a miracle. He'll restore marriage. Above all, he'll forgive sin. He'll save a soul. But here's where it ties together, I think. I don't know about you, but most people that I've met, including myself, who came to Christ, came to Christ because the burden got to be too much. Because the weight of life was tearing them up. They were trying to bear it on their own, trying to grit their teeth. And they had to look somewhere beside themselves. Maybe that's what God intended by permitting the curse. Everybody with me there? Maybe he subjects us to frustration that we might seek him, that we might call upon his name. Amen? And so that takes us back to Psalm 90, and I want to conclude with a so what here. So what? Verse 12. So 
since we find ourselves in this predicament, our days are short, since we find ourselves in this hard place of sort of feeling the wrath of God, again, I'm not talking about eternal wrath, I'm talking about in this present life, since we find ourselves in this difficult place, well, then what? Then what do we do? How about this? Come to God. Come to God. From verse 12 on, my sisters and my brothers, every verse is about God. The soul of the psalmist at every point from here on out, all she or he is thinking about is God, his need for God. Look at what he says. Lord, so teach us to number our days that we might get a heart of wisdom. Teach us, Lord. Verse 13, return, O Lord. Return, return, return. You know, I think that there's a sense in which when Jesus said this, blessed are you who mourn. Blessed are you who mourn, for you shall be comforted. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you who weep now, Luke's version, for the day will come when you will laugh. I wonder if it's this, my sisters and my brothers. I wonder if we kind of need God to help us not to get over addicted and over attached to this world's gifts. And maybe God has to help us and situate us so at the end of the day, we turn back to him. And we realize that our deepest need, more than anything else, is God himself. Return, O God. Like Isaiah said in Isaiah 64, O God, rend the heavens and come down. Oh God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, oh God. Maybe it takes the power of God, the spirit of God, to make us people of God. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And maybe the opposite of this is that we often rejoice in other things. Now, rejoicing in other things is not wrong until those other things take God's place. At the point where other things take God's place, we can call them nothing else but idols. And God will never tolerate idols. Idols damn us. Idols curse, get us cursed. And so God in his love helps us. Maybe even, I'm not saying that Satan's not involved, but maybe even to a degree burdens us. Kindly burdens us to move our minds away from the superficial and to help us begin to return to God. Amen? Turn to God. Satisfy us, verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing 
love, one of my favorite verses, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. I love what uh, uh, De- Deuteronomy 8 says this, use this very same verb, very same verb, satisfy. And in Deuteronomy 8, he says this, he's about to take Israel into the promised land. And he says to them, you know, you're going to enter this new land and you're going to be abundantly satisfied. Big old grapes. Ooh, you can make some grape juice. Uh, big old bananas. It don't say that. It doesn't say anything about bananas, but I'm presuming they had bananas there. Uh, perhaps not in that part of the world. Uh, but, ooh, you're going to have houses that you didn't even build. They're going to be furnished with furnishings that you didn't even buy. You're going to step into land that's cultivated, just ready for you to collect the harvest. What a blessing it will be. And you will be satisfied or made full. But when you get into the land and you get full and satisfied, be careful that you don't forget the Lord. And begin to say, verse 18, Deuteronomy 8, 18, it's by my own hand and it's by my own strength that I have this wealth and these good things. Be careful. Be careful. You know, there is a kind of temptation to sin that comes in hard days of life. And then there's a kind of temptation to sin that comes in the good days of life. And I wonder which one is harder to manage. I tend to think that perhaps good days might be a little tougher to not be made prideful, to not to begin to make the mistake of thinking that it is by my own hand that this has happened. So in God's love for us, what does he do? He might humble us. He might suffer us to hunger in the wilderness just for a little while. Amen? To humble us, to draw us back to him squarely and directly. Satisfy us. Let me put it this way. Be careful not to be satisfied with the wrong kind of satisfaction. What kind of satisfaction runs our lives? I think God wants us to be deeply satisfied people, but in Christ. Let me conclude with this. Um, Verse 17. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. Establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. The favor of the Lord be upon us. Establish the work of our hands. Yes, Lord, please establish the work of our hands. What is the psalmist saying here? Why does he conclude with this? Maybe it goes like this. Um, I was reading a book, uh, a short story by the author uh, J.R. Tolkien. Anybody like the Lord of the Rings books or saw those movies at all? few of us, they're getting old now. They've been about 10 years since the, those first ones. 
Well, he wrote that. But when he was writing that, he had author's block for a while, for about a year. He couldn't. He got in about the middle of writing the, the, the trilogy and he just got stuck. And then while he was stuck, he tried to step back and see if he could get his heart and mind to relax. And, and so he wrote a little story and it says that in writing this short story, it freed up his mind to continue writing the rest of The Lord of the Rings. The name of the story was called Leaf, L-E-A-F, Leaf by Niggle. Now that's a weird title. Let me define Niggle, all right? Uh, to Niggle means to stress over the details, uh, to be a perfectionist, to just can't get past you know, what needs to be made right here. So the character was called Niggle. In this story, he was a painter, he was an artist, and he'd been commit he, he wanted to paint, he just had this scene in his head of a beautiful tree with a sunset background up on a grassy hill. He loved those kind of scenes, he just, he just had it in his mind to paint that picture. So he starts painting it. But every time he gets to painting it, Pastor Devin, something would interrupt him. Something would distract him. And uh, he'd have to stop, and he was very slow in what he did. And so far, all he got done, he was still working on his first leaf of the tree. So one day, he finally feels like, I got a free day. He gets up there. He's working on the leaf of the tree. And a knock comes at the door. It's his neighbor, his neighbor who kind of annoys him, by the way. And so he goes, I'm busy, I'm painting, I really need your help, I'm busy, come on please. So he lets the guy in, he goes, my roof just collapsed, rain is falling in, my wife is already sick, and I'm pretty sickly too, could you go ride into town and get the carpenter and get the doctor? Can't you do it? I really need your help. Could you do it, please? I don't want to leave my wife's side. So finally, Niggle goes and rides into town. And it was a long ride in this cold rain. And he catches pneumonia. And he gets the doctor and the carpenter, but he himself gets so sick that he dies. He dies. Now, the story then moves to what appears to be something like heaven, a heaven type of scene. And he's riding a train toward their destination. But then the train stops and the usher of the train comes over to him and invites him to get off for a moment and escorts him up a grassy hill. And he gets up to the top of the grassy hill and the sun is shining so beautifully. And then he looks and he goes, my tree, my tree is beautiful. The tree that I could never finish the tree that I kept, I couldn't even get one leaf done. My tree is here in a sunset. Now, weird story, I know, but let me tell you what I think Tolkien was saying in that story. You ever been frustrated just feeling like you couldn't get done what you need to get done? The important things of life that you have these goals, I want, you know, I, I, I just I want this to happen with our church. I want this to happen with my family. I want this to happen in my schooling. I want this to happen. I need to get 
physically fit. I need to get more in the money in the bank. Very good. Keep doing that. And don't. But you know what? The likelihood is you'll almost always feel that you don't have enough time. You'll always feel, don't get me wrong, not always, but you'll, you'll often feel the frustration pressed in on you. A thousand voices telling you all that you have to get done and do. And you'll be saying to yourself, man, all I got is one leaf painted. I'm trying to do a whole tree against the sunset background, but all I got is one leaf. But maybe my brothers and my sisters, maybe it's not how much you're doing, but maybe it's who you're doing it with. Maybe it's what you're getting to work on, not how much work you're doing. Maybe it's God guiding our hands and our lives to work with him on what, is, what truly matters, on what is of eternal worth, and guiding us away from what is often more of a distraction. The old hymn writer said this, only what you do for Christ will last. Amen? Another hymn writer said this, judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. For behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. Might seem like sometimes it's just not going the way it should, even when we're worshiping God. But let God begin to give you, give us his perspective and to slowly place our hands on his eternal work to work along with him on what matters truly most. And even if it looks like in our short days here, we just didn't get much of it done. Maybe you'll get a lot of it done. And praise the Lord if you do. But if it seems that sometimes you're just not getting it done like you would like, just remember, God's perspective is very different. And he is viewing how your days are going, not simply from the encasement of 70, 80, or 90 years, as gracious as that would be, but from his standpoint of eternity. Amen? Lord, uh, I thank you. I thank you, oh Lord. There's so much about this that I still don't understand. But I thank you that it seems this much is true. That in our short days, you have visited us and you are bringing us to yourself. You are bringing us back home to see you face to face. Help us to yield to the spirit in this regard, we pray. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen and amen. Our community at Revival Tabernacle aims to reach our city and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus. Thank you for your support. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at www.revivaltab.org.